talk about this. If you look at the notes, it says, know your limits. And, and as the last one in the Selah series where we've been learning to, to rest and we've been learning to pause and take inventory of our life and see who we are and what life's all about and slow ourselves down from overcommitting to all of this stuff. Um, last week we talked about being present, living in the here and now, not worrying about the past, not worrying about the future, but live where you're at right now to the best you can. The people around you, they deserve that. They need you. God wants that to work in your life. But today I want to talk about knowing your limits. And, and you guys have probably heard a lot of sermons, and they're good sermons, and we need them. Sermons about breaking your limits. Ser- sermons about pushing beyond your limits and letting God do all of this stuff. And that's good and that's appropriate. There's a time and a place for that. There's goals that we make in life that we need to challenge ourselves to go beyond where we're currently at. If you're going, you know what, I'm unhealthy right now and I need to lose weight, that's a good goal. That's a good, like, go beyond your limits kind of a talk. Or, or right now where I'm I'm, I'm trying to, to make it in this job and I need to get a better job that makes more money because I want to have a family and all of that, then you need to learn to push beyond those limits. But here's what I want to talk about today. There's also a time and a place, and you don't really hear enough sermons on this, to actually embrace your limits, know your boundaries, know your role and know who you are and who God's created you to be, and to understand that you don't have to meet the, the demands and the expectations of the world or people around you because God's created you to be someone and do the best at who you are and not run yourself ragged trying to be something else. Does that make sense? But today we're going to talk about this, this idea of God, this is who I am, Carl Moore. And here's the work you've given me to do. And here's my set of limitations that kind of keep me within the bounds. And if I stay here and live this to the best of my ability, then that's what you require from me. And I'm going to have peace because I'm not stressing myself out. I found that so much of my stress and anxiety in life is because I'm trying to go and do things that God never intended me for, for me to do in the first place. You guys find that at all? You stress out about chasing things and overcommitting and overburdening yourself and pushing yourself when your very life can't support all of your ideals. And I want to talk about today the value of knowing your limits. Here's a a life lesson I learned from Pastor Tom, who was up here earlier. Tom and I grew up together from like junior high days. And one of the things I learned from Pastor Tom is, is knowing your limits. And this is how he taught me that. When we go out to eat all the time, some of the guys from the church, like Trevor, he's, he's cutting back too, but he used to be able to eat like crazy. We'd go and travel or we'd go to Japan. And one time he asked for like, we had ramen, like a big bowl of ramen, right? He asked for like fifths. He goes, oh, can I have another one? Seconds, thirds, fourths. He had like five bowls of ramen. So I always feel like I got to keep up, man. I paid for this stuff. I got to eat this. I got to clear my plate. Like I would always have the doggy bag shame. You know, like if you have to order doggy bag, oh, you can't eat all your food, Carl. You're a loser. Walk home with the, oh, the doggy bag of shame. Like, I couldn't finish, you know? And I always like live by that. Like if I paid for that, it's there. I'm eating it all but I would get sick and I would be overly full and it would be bad for me. I've learned that when I go out with Tom to eat, no matter how good the food is, he knows when he's done. He's eating and we're eating away. It's so good. And all of a sudden the napkin comes out. I'm done. I'm out. And we're just like, no, but look at all the food that's up. Nope. That's lunch tomorrow. And I slowly started to learn there's no shame in the doggy bag. That's an extra meal that you get the next day. And I started realizing, wait, now how many things in my life do I need to apply that to? That I know when to say when. I look on all those websites and those crazy commercials of people drinking and driving and all that. Know when to say when. And it's scary. But you can apply it into all kinds of other everyday life things too. Where you just overcommit yourself or you think you can do things 
that you really cannot do. Are you guys hearing me on that one? And then what does it do in your life? It causes stress. It causes stress for other people. You get overcommitted. You, you get anxiety. You get depression because you're doing stuff that you're not really designed to do. Know your limits. We overcommit. Sometimes we do it because of greed. We get greedy. We just want more stuff. And so we try harder. We get prideful. I can handle I can take care of all this. And God's going, no, you can't. Know your limits and be happy with where you're at. And if I want to take you further, I'll take you. But don't try to get there on your own. Sometimes we do it to please people. You know, sometimes we overcommit because I got to please my boss or I got to impress the girl. You know how many, when I was in high school one year, I got three speeding tickets on the same road. And you know what I found is I was always trying to impress people. I was trying to push the limits, the speed limits, in trying to impress either a girl or my friends or my own literally like, I'm just going to see how fast I can go zero to 60 right now in a 35. Whoa, you know, three speeding tickets in one year. And I realized sometimes you push the limits to impress people or to impress yourself. And God's going, you're, you're not meant to do that kind of stuff. So I want to talk today about knowing our limits, not comparing ourselves to other people, not getting bitter at other people. It causes a lot of chaos when we set unhealthy expectations. And then we're always walking around feeling like I can never meet those expectations. And so you always feel like never good enough. I think that when when we understand our limitations, we come into the peace and the rest and the Selah that God designed for our lives. Don't stress on all that stuff. Be who you are and be the best you can be. And if I need to take you farther, then that's up to me, right? Then God will take you to where you need to be, but don't stress. Here's what I mean by that. I want to show you some pictures here because you guys are going, what, what do you mean? Like, don't, don't go beyond your limits. Because a lot of times we try to do things that we don't have the skill set or the life support in our life to be able to accomplish. I, I recently started looking at Pinterest. Does anybody look at Pinterest? It's kind of like, let's be honest, it's kind of for women, right? you know, but you know, I got to browse, I got to check it out. I got to kind of come from my wife's point of view and understand. So I set up a Pinterest and I don't know, whatever it's, it's, you just click on stuff you like, you know, it's like, I don't know, you don't share it. I mean, you do share it. I don't really understand it, but Pinterest has all these things where people show off incredible things that they've done. You guys hearing me on this, like incredible. I went on this trip here. Here's my picture. I did this awesome art thing. And then you have all the people that tried to accomplish what someone else did, but they didn't know their own limits. You guys feel me? Let me just show you a few pictures of what I mean by this. I want to make this clear in your head today. Okay, someone at the top did some really awesome art project where they melt all these, these crayons and it makes this awesome rainbow and then someone who doesn't know their own limits tried this and nailed it. Not really. <laughs> Duct tape and beat up crayons. It's ugly. Okay, so here's another one. Let me, I'm just trying to, to get this in your head. Here's ideally what this young teenager's lips should look like. Oh, they're beautiful, sexy, candy sprinkles. And then here's the reality is like just you're foaming at the mouth, you know? Okay, so here's another one. Um, <laughs> speaks for itself, right? Somebody's a chef. Somebody doesn't know they're not a chef, right? Disgusting. Okay, the next one. Somebody knows how to paint their nails. Somebody knows how to paint their feet. The next one. This is how you tie a tie that looks incredible. And this is what I would do if I tried to tie a tie. Just knots, just ugly, okay? Know your limits. Go to the next one. This would be the ideal holiday picture with your baby, your newborn. All festive and, and lit electrical lights in your baby's mouth. I don't know about that, but here's the reality is your child is deathly afraid of you tying them up with lights. Okay, the next one. 
that's a picture you're going for. And that's what you really look like right there. <laughs> Go to the, the next. I think I got a, maybe one more, uh, two more. Yeah. <laughs> somebody's fit and they know what they're doing and somebody's just holding up a tree. <laughs> Missed it. But, and I got one more is uh, know your limits, guys. Swing. You're doing it wrong if you look like that. I know it's sad, right? I like to imagine that there was like a big, nice, soft, sofa that she fell on or something like that. But the reality is, here's my point, guys. We overcommit. We do dumb things in our life when God says, play within the boundaries, play within the rules, and you'll be happy and you'll have peace. And every once in a while, I'm going to push you to break a limit and to do something that's going to bless your life. But stop trying to run around and copy other people or do other things that are going to end up hurting you in the first place. Are you hearing me? That's our word for this morning. Are you guys awake this morning? You guys are here? I'm, I'm, can I just say this? Thank you for making it to church today when you had to drive from your house to church looking at how incredible that day is out there, right? Some of you guys are going, oh my gosh, I'm going to church? I'm going to be in a tent for the next hour and a half while I could be at the beach out there? Can I just say, thank you for actually coming to church today. Give yourselves a round of applause. You did it. You made the right choice. Good job. Well, let's, let's look at the Bible. Okay, because we're not going to ever preach a sermon up here that's not based on the eternal truth, the absolute truth, the word of God. Let's see what the Bible has to say about this thing about knowing your limits. I'm not, I'm not making something up here today and just going, guys, you got to play within your limits. That doesn't sound right. Well, here's three biblical examples I found of three guys that got it right. They figured it out. Well, there's limits that God has given us, and they're for our own good. And our lives go better when we play within the limits that God has for us. First of all, let's look at King David. King David, you guys know, incredible king. He was the kid that beat the giant with the slingshot. Everybody's like, wow, that guy's incredible. And he became the king of Israel and Judah, and he was one of the greatest kings ever, the Bible talks about. Mighty warrior, great leader, um, became rich and wealthy and famous and had a lot of power. But the thing about David is he was always good because he had integrity and always had a heart after God until that little incident with Bathsheba. You guys remember that one? And see, David had everything, and God blessed him, and he had everything under control. But then comes this point where his army goes out, and they're fighting a battle. And he's at home, and he's resting in the palace, and it's a hot afternoon, and he's out on the rooftop taking a, a breather, getting, catching some of the trade winds, right? And he's just like, oh, I need to cool down. And he's looking around. Look at my kingdom. This is so cool. God, you're so amazing. And then he goes, whoa, wait, what's that over there? Sees on the rooftop over there, naked lady taking a bath. She looks pretty good. David thinks, you know what? I'm the king. I could pull that off. No one needs to know. Go get that girl. Bring her over here. Goes and gets her. He sleeps with her. He thinks he's all good. Pulled pull it off. No one had to know. Send her home. Well, she comes back a couple months later. She's pregnant. And David's like, oh, no, wait, the husband did it. No, the husband has been at war for all these months. He's been away. There's no way he could have done that. He's out there fighting for our army. He's out there fighting the, the Ammonites. His name is Uriah, and he's out there in war. So he couldn't have impregnated her. So David goes, uh-oh, I overstepped my boundaries. I pushed the limits. I'm a little bit in trouble here. So he goes, I got to cover this thing up. If I bring the husband back from war and tell him to hang out with the wife a little bit, when the baby is born, he'll think, oh, that was my kid. You know, I did that. He brings the husband back. You guys know the story. Uriah says, no, I'm not going to go and go home and have the, the comforts of home when my men are out there fighting. And king, you're not safe. I'll sleep in your doorway. I'm not going home. So whatever David did, he couldn't get him to sleep with the wife. Sent him back to war. And he goes, you know what? 
it's going to, it's going to, I'm going to get found out. So put that guy, Uriah, at the front of the battle lines. So let him die. So he'll never know. And I'll get away with this thing. See the, the corruption slowly starts to sneak when you start to push the limits a little bit, right? Sure enough, Uriah dies. David thinks he got away with it. I'm King David. I pulled it off. The reality is Nathan, the prophet came, heard from God and said, God knows what you did. And this is what he says to punish David in second Samuel chapter 12, verse 10. He goes, Nathan says this to David, from this time on, your family will live by the sword, meaning there's always going to be violence and murder in your family because you have despised me by taking Uriah's wife to be your own. You stepped out of your boundaries. You went past the limits that I had for you. This is what the Lord says. Because of what you've done, I will cause your own household to rebel against you. I'll give your wives to another man before your very eyes, and he will go to bed with them in public view. And this actually happened. It says, you did it secretly, but I will make this happen to you openly in the sight of all of Israel. Then David confessed to Nathan. He gets it. He goes, oh my gosh, I blew it. He goes, I've sinned against the Lord. And we know the prayer you read it, and it says, God, I understand. I've sinned against you only. David learned the lesson. He got it. I overstepped my boundaries, and now I'm paying the price. Nathan replied, yes, but the Lord has forgiven you, and you won't die for the sin. Nevertheless, because you've shown utter contempt for the word of the Lord by doing this, your child will die. Here's a, here's a lesson I learned. David pushed his limits, and it hurt him. See, in our lives, sometimes we push the limits on things. Yeah, I'm happily married. I'm good. I've got a great marriage. And then he started going, hey, that, that girl in the office, well, she's talking to me. Well, she's kind of flirting with me. Ah, no harm. I can give a little careless second glance, a little flirting back. Or maybe it's in the area of, you know what? I, I can handle substances and, and all of this stuff. And I'm just doing this this one time. And what happens is that one time becomes an addiction and you find yourself in a bad way and messed up in life or whatever it may be, maybe something small. You, you, a little greed begins to develop. I can control my life. I'm in control. I, I got a handle on this. I'm just going to like get, this thing's a little shady with my money, but it's not a big deal. Nobody really needs to know, but it's going to make me more money. See, a lot of times when we push the limits in our life, it's like David, it's pride. And this is the whole problem, the whole gospel message is. Pride is we want to live our lives our own way and ignore everything that God has for us. The message of Christianity and Jesus is when we realize, wait a minute, all I do over here is get myself into trouble. When I say yes to Jesus and go his way, then everything begins to work out. And when I play by the rules and the roles that he's given me and the, the limits that he has for my life, these are actually good things because they keep me in a safe spot. They keep me in a place of God's blessing in my life. And here's David. He learned the lesson. He repented. He went down later in history in Acts 13 that says, David was a man after God's own heart. He had a great reputation. However, there's still consequences for overstepping our limits. You guys see that right there? Okay, there's just one. I want to give you guys two more. Here's another guy in scripture that learned about knowing your limits. John the Baptist. John the Baptist is the guy that came around before Jesus, right? They're born about the same time. But John was the guy who had the job to prophetically tell everybody, hey, you know what? Jesus is coming. The Messiah is coming. He's going to set everything right. You guys need to make yourself right with God. He's called John the Baptist because he baptized people. He baptized people in repentance of their sins. And so he was out baptizing in the Jordan River. And then Jesus actually comes on the scene. And listen to this, what the followers of John come and say one day in John chapter 3. It says, John's disciples came to him and they said, Rabbi, which means teacher. He said, hey, teacher. The man that you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, the, the coming king, the anointed one, 
He's also baptizing people. Hey, teacher, we're, we got this good gig going on. We're baptizing all these people. Now that guy you said over there, that Jesus guy, he's baptizing people. He's cutting into our business a little bit. What's going on with that? And it says, and not only is he baptizing people, but they say this, everybody is going to him instead of coming to us. This is the point when John had to make the decision. Wait, I'm, I'm a little bit competitive. I'm supposed to be the guy baptizing everybody. This guy, he's more popular than me. Wait a minute, what are we going to do? We got we to gotta get all those people over here to baptize. Let's give away a free t-shirt or let's do prize giveaway. Let's do something. We get businesses down. But instead, here's what John understands. He recognizes his limits and his role. And as he replies, look, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. He goes, I know what God's given me. I know my role, and I know his role. Verse 30, one of the most classic lines in all of scripture, he says, he must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. Here's John going, I could say I'm the man, I'm in control, I'm baptizing, or I can understand that I'm not the man, but Jesus is the man. And in our lives, the sooner we understand, here's my limits, here's the role that I have, and I'm gonna do that the best I can. And anything outside of that, I'm going to trust God to take me into that realm and to push my limits. But Jesus is the man. I'm not the man. And here's a guy that understood his role. He directed people towards Jesus. He wasn't worried about competition. And he actually died as a martyr, one of the greatest heroes that we have in Scripture. He went down doing what he was called to do. He knew his role. Here's a, here's a third guy I want to talk about. This is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul used to be a Pharisee, which was like a, a leader in the religious sect of people that understood the law of Moses. They studied it. They could, they could memorize scripture. They knew all the laws. They lived these godly, clean lives. And he had high status. And he was, he was somebody in society. But then he met Jesus, right? The dramatic case of he was blinded and God spoke to him. And he turned everything over. And he actually goes on and he says this in Philippians 8. Um, 3.8. He says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else. You know what he's talking about? My education, my status, my wealth, my all the cool stuff that I thought I was. It means nothing. He says, all that I've discarded, counting it all as garbage, as rubbish, as one Bible translation puts it, as dung. All of my pedigree, all of my scholarship, all of my money, all of my status in society, it's doo-doo. That's what he said. It's doo-doo. It's nothing. And there's other words I could use, but we can't say them in church, but you guys get the message. What, what he's trying to say here is all of that stuff actually limited me from knowing the reality of Jesus Christ, and that's really all that there is to it. He said, all of that is rubbish so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. Later in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 to 9, he says, so to keep me from becoming proud... I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Paul goes, I don't know, I got this thing that bugs me all the time, this problem. And we don't really know what it was. He says, a thorn in the flesh, a messenger from Satan. People are like, was it a demon? Was it what? Was it a physical limitation? We don't know for certain, but he goes, I had this thing that always like bugged me. And three times I begged the Lord to take it away, but each time he said this, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So Paul says, so now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses. 
my limits, my limitations, my boundaries. I'm glad to boast about that so that the power of Christ can work through me. Now, now, commentators and theologians believe that probably the thorn in the flesh that Paul had had something to do with a physical disability. And they most often believe that he probably had something like poor eyesight, like he couldn't see well. Because a lot of times when he writes his letters in the New Testament, he has to say at the end of it, and I signed this letter by my own hand, Paul, and we know that he had other people write letters for him. So people believe he probably couldn't see well, and he wished he could see better. But whatever it was, Paul understood this. I have limits. I do not have perfect health. I do not know everything. I had this awesome education. It actually limits me because what's, what really matters is knowing Jesus Christ. Not knowing about God, not knowing all his laws, but knowing Jesus Christ personally. Here's Paul, a guy that went on and did incredible ministry for the Lord, but he goes, I know my own limits. I know my role. And I know that I'm weak and I'm kind of stoked that, that I'm weak because when I'm weak and I admit that, then I can ask for the help of God and suddenly I have strength in my weakness when I turn to God. Are you guys hearing me this morning? That our weaknesses are meant to be embraced and they're good, that we all have limits and God should be the only one pushing it. Because remember that Paul also said this. There's another part to this sermon. It's a different sermon. Philippians 4.13, Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But we have a tendency to believe this. I can do all things and we leave it at that and we go out there and we get our lives in trouble. The, the, the qualifier that Paul put in that was through Christ who strengthens me. I know my weaknesses. I can't do all things. But when Christ comes along, then I begin to push limits. But I need to walk in the role that God has designed me to have. So I want to talk about this. We looked at three guys in the Bible, David, John the Baptist, and the Apostle Paul. They all understood it. Live within your limits. It's a good thing. Well, let's talk about what does it look like in our everyday lives now because I believe the word of God is not to meant just to be read and to be studied, but meant to be applied to our lives. How do we deal with it in the here and now? So I want to talk about this. I want you to maybe write some of this stuff down. Just write down some of our limits. Here's the first one to write down. Physical limits. What are the physical limits that you have to live by? The fact that sleep, we need sleep, we need diet, we need exercise, we need sun, we need all of that. Are you living within your limits or are you pushing them? Oh, that's a cool, I can, I can survive on three hours of sleep a night, it's no big deal. Well, the studies prove that, that you can't do that effectively. You may be able to get by, but you're not living the full life. You're not very kind to the people around you when you're grumpy and going off of three, three hours of sleep every single night. There's things that you need, right? And life is like, now I, I, I gotta take care of my body. It's like this. We in Hawaii, we love to eat. We love to eat plate lunches. We love to get like a big loco moco. Anybody love the loco moco? The eggs and the meat on top of the rice with extra gravy, yeah? Gravy. And if you're like me, I like mayo too. I throw mayonnaise on stuff like that. Because I just, you know, if I'm going to clog the arteries, go all the way, right? No, but, but we eat like this sometimes, right? And it would be like this. Understanding our physical limitations is if that's what your diet normally looks like, and imagine one day I'm like, man, this is, oh, this is filling me up so much. I'm, I'm stuffed. Oh, oh this is crazy. I got to burn off some calories. I think we should probably go run Cocoa Head after, after lunch today, right? That's ridiculous. You guys know the Cocoa Head stairs like that? Even if you don't eat, you probably throw up running up that thing anyway. But loco moco. But here's the thing is, what are your physical limitations that you just have to understand? I just have to live by this. This is the body God gave me. And for me to be well-rested, part of the Sabbath, which was commanded by God in the Bible, was for you to have physical rest to take care of your body. You're not taking care of your body. You die early. You leave your kids without a dad or a mom. 
You're not taking care of your body. You got all of these extra hospital visits, hospital bills that come in later because you haven't been taking care of your body. So know your physical limits. What about this one? Know your intellectual limits. There's a verse in Proverbs 12, 15 that says this, fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. See, intellectual limits. There's something awesome that's hard to do when you can actually say, when someone asks you something, when you can actually say this, I don't know. There's a lot of us that walk through life never ever wanting to say those words because we think we have an opinion and we're smart and we have something to say about everything. There's a point in life where you have freedom. You get into less arguments when someone's yelling at you, ah, well, what about this? And, blah, blah, and you just go, I don't know. <laughs> Walk away, right? You just said, it's okay. You just saved an argument because you can actually admit, I don't know everything. See, there's limits on our own intellect and it is absolutely okay to say, I'm a dumb sheep, but I follow a good shepherd. And there's limits to who I am and to how smart I am. But the, the sooner we come to the realization is there are limits to how smart I am, but I've got smart friends. And if I have a problem with my car, I admit I'm not a mechanic, but I know a couple mechanics in the church that I can go to and they'll tell me how to do this. I cannot bake. I'm not a chef. That's how my cookies would look like, you know, the cookie monster blobs of frosting or whatever. That would be me. And I have to admit, I'm not even going to bother. I'm just going to go to the people I know that love to bake and just tell them, bake me some cookies now, right? Well, not like that, but hey, could you? I don't know everything. And the sooner we get to that um, arrival, the sooner that God can say, now let me come in there and I'll help you out in those different areas. But there's also limitations, I think, on our spiritual life. Um, One of the things that scared me most about becoming a pastor was years ago, I said, what if, what if I can't answer everybody's questions about the Bible and about God? I was really worried about that. Oh, what if I can't answer everybody's questions when they come and ask me? And my dad said, that's okay. I can't. Nobody can. Nobody knows everything there is to know about God. But the beauty is we're all searching together. And if you don't know it, you can go dig up and you can get into the word together and find out. But there's a part that we're just never going to know everything there is to know about God. And we need to own that and understand, I have spiritual limitations. I don't know everything there is to know about God, but I'm hungry to learn more every day. Because Hosea 6.3 says, Oh, that we might know the Lord. Let us press on to know him. He will respond to us as surely as the arrival of dawn or the coming of rains in early spring. See, I know my limitations, which are every day I wake up and I go, God, there's more that I need to know about you. Because the minute I start thinking I know everything there is to know about God, that's the minute he stops pouring out blessing in my life because he's going, oh, you got it all? You're good? You know me enough? You're on your own. Enjoy your life, Carl. But the minute that I can come to him in humility and go, God, show me more. That's when he goes, oh, I got so much more for you. You have no idea. And my life becomes alive and, I, and it's a continual process. I know my limits. I don't know everything. So I want to know more from the Lord. How about this one? Your marital status. It's your status with either you have a family or you don't have a family. There's limits on what you can do. When you're single, there's limitations. When you're married, there's limitations. There's things that I can't do that like I used to do when I was single before. I can't just decide any day I want, well, I'm just going to go run off and surf for eight hours and I'm going to go buy whatever I want with all my money and I'm going to do all this stuff. I understand that I got to budget my time and my money and my energy. I have a wife and I have kids at home and it's hard sometimes. And single people at that, they have the benefits sometimes because they're going, oh, you got to deal with three screaming kids and you got to deal with all of that and I'm free over here. That's so awesome. But then the, on the other hand, when the kids aren't screaming and you calm down and you take a look at them and you remind yourself, 
man, God just blessed me with this incredible family. I don't have to go home to them. I get to go home to them every night. And I get to hang out with my best friend and always have someone in my life. And single people don't have that yet, right? I'm praying for you guys. I'm not trying to put you down. There's, here's what I'm trying to say is there's a balance and there's limits to your marital status and to your non-marital status, but you live within the limits where you're at and you'd be happy with them. And then you don't have to worry about the grass is greener on the other side. Are you guys hearing me on that one? The grass is greener where you water it, not on the other side. So just knowing your limits there. How about this, right? This limit down. Limits that come from your upbringing, the way that you were brought up in your house, in your family of origin, in your um, views that your family taught, if you're a Christian and, and what you learned growing up, um, the way you manage stuff around your house, your view of politics, all that stuff, it's different from other people, which means your views are limited. That we tend to believe my way is the right way. The reality is my way is a way. And your way is another way. Your way is another way. Not when I'm talking, we're not talking about religions, right? We know Jesus is the way, truth, and the life. But I'm, I'm talking about this kind of stuff. Here's one my wife and I were talking about the other day, laughing about. In your household, when it's your choice and opportunity to put the toilet paper on the roll, does your toilet paper roll over or under? How many of you guys need to put it on? It's over. It's totally over, okay? How many of you guys under? We got some unders in here. How many of you guys just, however it gets on there, you don't even care, right? <laughs> we can go in the courtyard after and we can all fight for our way, which way is the best. But the reality is that's just your way. And your way is not the right way. It's just a way. So the way that you were brought up in thinking a lot of these different things is personal to you. But the minute you can realize I have limits, I'm not right. Other people do it differently. You start to have grace for one another. You start to understand there's maybe something for me to learn here that I don't know at all. I'm, I'm limited. Try this with me real quick, okay? Cross your arms right now, everybody in here. Cross your arms, okay? Now try cross the other arm over the other arm. How weird does that feel right now, right? But how many of you put right hand over? How many of you guys are right hand over? How many of you guys do left hand over, right? You guys can fight about this one after church too as well. But here's the thing. Who's right? Left to see people want to fight about it. Nobody's right. See, the deal is there is a specific perception and way you grew up in your family and in decisions you make that you got to realize this. It's limited to what you think. And the sooner you realize, wait, I'm limited. And if I put my limitations as the standard on everybody else, then how many people are going to fall short? And I'm going to have conflict in life. And the reality is they're not wrong. I'm not wrong. They're not right. I'm not right. We just do things different. Is that making sense to you guys? Embrace the limits of realizing this is who I am. This is the role God's given me. And I'm going to do this one to the best that I possibly can. What about limits about talents and gifts that you might have? Things that basically it says, I can't do what you do, but that's okay. Because you can't do what I do, and that's okay as well. And I'm not going to waste my life trying to copy you or become you or to do something else if that's not my natural gifting and my natural talents. See, there's so many times in worship we come in here, we're singing songs to the Lord, and I'm like, oh, this is so awesome. And I look up on stage, I'm like, dang, I, I should probably go join them. Because that looks amazing. You know what? I'm going to get up on stage right now and I'm going to grab a guitar and I'm going to start playing and singing because, oh, what a good feeling. The, re the reality of that is ridiculous. If I did that, people would be leaving the church by the tens, the twenties. Like, that guy sucks. He's terrible. He can't sing. What's he doing up there? Here's what I, I got to understand is 
I'm Carl Moore. I'm only good at what I'm good at. If God wants to bless me and stretch me and push me into something else, that's his prerogative, but I'm not going to waste my, tri- my life trying to become a worship leader if that's Pastor Trevor's job. He does a better job than I can do. Play in the gifts and talents that you've been given and, and let him, someone else, play in their gifts and talents, but know your own limitations and be the very best person that you can be with what God's given you. Are you guys hearing me? That you don't have to think that I want that and I want that and I want You're good. And God made you good at what you do. So just thrive in that. Realize there's, there's just natural limits. I'm not a mechanic. I'm not a chef. I'm not this. I'm a pastor, and I just got to be the best I can at that. And what about just resources, money, and stuff? Too many times we forget that we actually have limits on that, and we get into debt. And it's just a simple thing. It's not even very spiritual. It's God's going, I want you to have the best life possible. I want you to, to make sure that you know the limits that you have in money. Don't go and get a car a brand new car if you can't afford the payments. Don't get uh, a really large dog if you don't have a yard and a house for that dog to run in. See, we have a tiny dog. I've told you about Richter, right? Our little Chihuahua Jack Russell Terrier. And he's a little small guy, right? And he barks a lot. But we have a small townhouse with a small yard. And it's appropriate. And Kanani takes him out walking and he runs and he does his stuff. But then he's happy to live in his little square enclosure thing right under our stairs in our townhouse. He's like Harry Potter. Just put him in the cupboard under the stairs and he's happy to live there. And he lives there. And this is the reality of I recognize is sometimes I feel bad for him like he's cooped up all day. Like we got him into small of an enclosure like Blackfish. You guys saw the movie Blackfish? Like killer whales. They need to be in the ocean, not in the tank. Anyway, Richter's under the stairs. And there's days I'll be at home, and I'll open his cage. Dude, go run. You need to run around. Get her. And he just looks at me like, yeah, right. This is my pillow, man. I'm just kicking back. The closure is wide open. Like, go run. Go do something. He's like, no way. I'm happy right here. Leave me alone, you know? And he likes it. However, if I got like a Great Dane or something like that, he wouldn't even fit under the stairs. And it would be wrong use of the limitations God's given me if I try to get a huge dog and I have no yard or have a tiny yard. Does that make sense? But what is, think about the money and the resources, the house, the car, the stuff that God's given you. Don't try to live beyond your means. Don't overextend yourself. Here's just a practical lesson. Budget your money. Take care. There's limitations. Realize that you have them. Here's another big one is time. This is one that we're all limited by, time. Psalm 39 verse four says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. God has only given us all a limited amount of years on this planet. We have a limited amount of hours and minutes in our day. Don't waste it. Know your limitations. Live it wisely. Use your time wisely. Well, I want to go and follow my career, and I want to go get some more money, and I want to do all of this, and I want to click all these things off my bucket list. Meanwhile, I'm neglecting my wife and my kids at home or something. Use your time wisely. Remember we talked about last week, be present. You know what I realized? My daughter right now is in the middle of her junior year. She has half a year left. Next year, she has her senior year. If she wanted to, legally, at 18, she could move out. She could go away to college. She could leave the house. I only have a year and a half left of life with my daughter living under the same roof as me. Now, if she's smart and she knows what's good for her, she'll stay with me till she's 30, right? Because I'll love her every day, and it'll be great. But I can't make that call, right? And so I got to start understanding Anytime I can catch a cool conversation in the car or at the beach or wherever with my daughter, I'm going to be present and I'm going to use my time wisely because my time is limited. 
You guys see that? It's not a bad thing to understand your limitations. It's a good thing because you use what you got more wisely and you don't play into what the world and everybody wants you to do. You understand, this is me. This is who I am. I'm going to do the best I can with what I got. Amen? So time is another limitation. And then in relationships, at your job, at your church, at your, your clubs that you belong to or the relationships that you have, remember that other people have limitations too. Remember that there's no perfect job. No matter how great you think your job is, there's going to be problems. No matter how great your church is, there's going to be problems and you're going to complain about something. No matter how great your friends are, there's going to be times that you fight with them. The sooner you realize that we're all limited together, you start showing grace for other people. You start coming into work and going, I love my job even though it has its ups and downs. I love my church, even though they don't play the songs I want or they don't do this well or this is too crazy or whatever. I'm still, I'm gonna make allowances that they're limited too. We're all limited in this thing. No one is perfect. And you start to understand grace. You start to understand patience. You start to understand compassion for other people. You start to get along the way that God actually intended us to get along with one another. And so it's understanding those limitations. Because to be honest, you always have the option. You don't like job? Quit. You don't like the church? Leave. You don't like those relationships you have? Pick other friends. Now, I could get all upset and, and be going like, man, there's so many people that come to church every year here or every month or every week, and there's so many people that leave. The reality is I got to understand my limits is that I'm called to pastor the people that are here. And if people leave, that's up to them and that's fine and they'll go where they're happy. But I'm not called to stress and to worry and to strive about the people that have left. But I'm called to pastor the people that are here, which is you guys. Thank you for being here today. And I'm called to focus on being a pastor here and now, not looking back and chasing. You guys understand what I'm talking about? So we let them go. If, if people are unhappy, that's okay. We don't have a perfect church. It's every, just go where you're happy and then know your personality limits too. Know that your personality isn't the only personality. My wife and I are so different. That's why we have this crazy good marriage that is just like balances one another out. And we've had our hard times and we go through rough stuff, but we have different personalities. My wife always jokes, she goes, if you put me in a field and there's one tree in the field, I could talk to that tree. I could have a conversation with that tree. Hey, you're looking pretty good today. And the reality is it's, it's true. She talks to people everywhere she goes. She's just social like that. She's a talker. And she doesn't understand why I'm more than happy to be at home in the garage working on pallet furniture all day by myself, right? You're a hermit. <laughs> you're weird. And I can go out and I can, I can tell my wife on my day off, she's at work. What'd you do today? I went surfing. Oh, who'd you go with? I'm like... Jesus, I know, just me, I don't know. She's like, oh, that's so lame. Are you ashamed? Where's your friends? I'm like, I'm good, you know? My personality, different from my wife's personality. But I can't demand for her to be me, and she can't demand me to be her. God has given us all different personalities, and he needs every one of us to be who we are. Don't compare. Don't copy yourself with anybody else. Don't try to be someone. Don't think someone is better than you. God made you for a reason. Just be yourself. People like you when you're self. So know your own limitations and, and live in those. And it does good things for us. And this is what I want to say is you learn your own limitations. It benefits your life. Number one, it keeps you humble. It keeps you humble. And when you're humble, God is on your side. Did you know that? The Bible speaks about that all over and over. First Peter 5.5 5 is one of the verses I have, but James talks about it. Proverbs talks about it. It says, God opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble. It means he's against the prideful people that go, I'll blow past any limits. I can do whatever I want. 
but it says he gives grace and love and, and, and mercy and power to those that are humble enough to know this is who I am, this is all I got, God, but I'm depending on you to make me strong in my weaknesses. God, I trust you. And when you're humble enough like that, God's on your side. He's to answer your prayers. He's for you. You feel his presence in your life. It's not a religion thing that you're part of. There's a mighty living God that's got your back and he's there to protect you and to guard you and good stuff begins to happen. Secondly, when you learn and understand your own limitations, it gives you boundaries, which gives you the power and the ability to say no. There's probably half the room full of people here that don't know how to say no. We think we do, but we do not know how to say no. We always take on another task. Someone asks us to do something, something we think is good, but we don't know how to say no. See, when I understand my role and my limitations and who God's made me, there's stuff that I've learned as a pastor. I have to say no to a lot of you guys. Here's one of them. People come to me and they, they want counseling. Oh, pastor, can you counsel me or me and my wife? And can you do all this? And I, I just got to say no. I'll meet with you one time, but I understand my boundary is that I went to school and I have a degree that says I am a licensed pastor. I did not go to school to be a therapist or a counselor. It would be wrong of me and illegal of me to try to get you into a counseling. Here's what I do as a pastor. You come meet with me, you got problems, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tell you to pray. I'm going to give you concepts that I read about in the Bible. I'm going to tell you to go to the Bible. I'm going to tell you to go to Jesus on your own and to work some stuff out. That's all I got. Sorry. (laughs) So when I got to tell you no for counseling, now you know, oh, he's not good anyway. I'm not going to go see him. I'll give you a name and a number. Here's a licensed Christian therapist, counselor. They know about counseling. I'm just a pastor. I'm going to give you Jesus. I'm going to give you his word. I'm going to pray for you. But that's all I got. But you know what that helps me do? Cuts out all of that counseling. No, can't do it. That's not who I'm created to be. You guys hearing me on this? It gives you freedom to say no. Saturdays, I know this. That's my Sabbath. That's my time with my wife and my kids and my friends. That's my time to rest, spend time with God, be refreshed, do what I need to do. So because of that, I have to say no to a lot of weddings. I rarely do weddings anymore. A lot of people come and they're like, oh, we love you, our pastor, and you know, whatever, would you do our wedding? It's on a Saturday, it's this. And I'm like, no, I can't do it because I know my limitations. I know that I have to go to a wedding rehearsal, and sometimes there's a dinner with that. Then I have to go to the wedding, and then sometimes there's the, the, the ser- what do they call it afterwards? Reception. See, I don't even know. That's, I just say no. I don't even know what you're talking about. Reception. What's that? No, you got to go to all of this stuff, and you know what I'm doing when I do all of that? I'm taking up all of that time that I know God says, that's for your family. That's for your daughter who you only have a year and a half in the house. That's her time. So it allows me to put the boundaries up and go, I know my limits. Can't do weddings. I'm not going to give up my Saturdays. I can't do that. Unless you're your family or super close family friend, and don't try to be my close family friend just so you can get married. I learned to say no. You guys get what I'm saying here? It allows you the opportunity to say no when you understand who you are. I don't do a lot of public speaking outside of church. A lot of people ask me, come speak at our conference, come speak at this. And right now in this season, God's going, no, I want you to focus on loving your family, loving your church, being the best Carl Moore, pastor, father, friend, husband that you can be. The guest speaking stuff, you can do that in another season. So real easy. Hey, Carl, can you? Nope, can't do it. God won't let me. I need to focus on this. But it allows you the freedom to say no. And lastly, when you got control over the limits and limitations in your life, you're content. You're at peace because you know who you are and you're not going to step outside of the boundaries of that. My wife and I um, went to dinner a while back with a couple 
that was in the church. Um, and they're just so high strung and always trying to achieve and do more. And everything they talk about, they kind of are know-it-alls. They know everything about everything. And they're just stressing you out and you feel like you're not good enough. And every opinion you have, you don't know if it's going to be the right one because they're going to tell you how you ought to think and all of that. And you're just like, kind of, uh, can't handle these people. Well, we finally just have, had to stop hanging out with them. We didn't tell them, you know, we're just kind of like, hey, just ease out of it, right? And it's not see him too much. And just so you guys know, it's not any of you in the church. So you're like, me, I'm sorry. No, they left the church already. They're somewhere else where they're happy with, with friends that kind of act like that and talk like that. And it's okay. I love those people. They're good people. It's just that they're stressed because they're trying too hard to do stuff and not just be normal and calm down and, and, and know their limits. And then when I hang out with some of the families, we were at some families yesterday at the beach and they just they know their role they husband and wife love each other they love their kids they're not trying to impress anybody they know what they do for a living for for work they know where they stand with god and there's something to be said for contentment when you know who you are in your role and that you're playing within the limits god has given you see i believe that contentment is contagious when i hang out with people like that i want to be like that I want to be more like that. And you will become a person when you walk within your own limits and roll God's given you. You can become someone that is content with life. And we're really finding Selah. And that's what we're all about. Is that a good word for you guys this morning? Know your limits. Let's pray and we'll, we'll get you out of here. Oh, I went over. I went over. We're just going to pray. God, we thank you for our limits that you've given us. Lord, it directs us. It keeps us in check and in tune with um, where you have for us what's best in life. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't overstep our boundaries. I pray that we wouldn't bite off more than we can chew and, and cause chaos in our life from just doing things that we're not even called to do. Lord, help us to be people that, that know who we are and, and live to the best of that every single day in that moment. Lord, I just want to pray right now, if there's anybody in, in this room that you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ, you've never started a relationship with him, you don't percent for sure that you're a Christian. Maybe you made some decisions a long time ago, but you've, you, you're at a point in life where you're like, I need to be real with this thing. I need to get real with God, and I need to have a real relationship with Him. Then I want to say a prayer with you right now. How it's going to work is I'm going to pray the words out loud. You pray them softly, quietly in your heart to God. He'll hear you, and He'll begin to change your life right here and now. You'll know that you are a Christian, and God will be moving in your life. And if that's a prayer that you would love to pray, you're just... You're ready to take that step of faith to say yes to Jesus in that way. I want to pray it with you. Before we pray, I'm just going to ask you one thing, is that you would um, let me know if you want to pray that with me. Again, I'll pray it out loud. You pray it quietly under your breath, not out loud in front of all these people. But God hears you. He knows you. Later after service, you can go let people know and, and tell them, hey, I'm a Christian now. But right now, let's make it a heart thing between you and God. As I lead you in this prayer, I want you to just let me know who I get the opportunity to pray with this morning. People have their eyes closed and their heads bowed right now. If you want to pray that prayer with me, I'm going to count to three and I'm going to ask one thing. You just raise your hand when I count to three. And hold it up until I see it. I just want to know who I get to pray with here this morning. So if you want to do that to become a Christian right now, say yes to Jesus on the count of three. Lift your hand. One, two, three. Is there anybody that I can pray with this morning? One, two, three. Lift your hands. Anybody in the room as I'm looking around? I see one hand in the back. I see two over there. I'm looking around. If I don't see you, just wave at me. I see three right here. Anybody else in the room today? I saw at least three people. And if there's more, God sees you. Don't worry. Just pray this with me. God, um, in my heart right now, I'm just coming to you and I, I need you. I need some answers. I need some help. I'm tired of living outside of my limits, trying to run my life on my own. I need some help. Show me how to live. Give me direction. Lord, I understand that Jesus came and he died on the cross so that, that I could be forgiven of my sins, my separation from you. 
He's got to accept the price that Jesus paid on the cross and then he rose from the dead to prove he was the son of God and he had power over death and he had power over the sin and the, the guilt and the shame and the separation from you that I had before in my life. So Lord, now I embrace that. I receive what Jesus did. I promise to live it out all my days, Lord. I promise to, to know you, to read a Bible, to go to church, to, to get baptized, to receive the power of your Holy Spirit in my life. Lord, everything you got for me, my answer is yes. From here forward, I will live for you. Thank you for loving me and accepting me as your child this morning. And in Jesus' mighty name, the church says, amen, amen. We praise God for those people that pray that prayer with us.